Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth, human performance, and culture change. This is your host, Philip Grison. Thank you for joining me on this path. I hope you enlighten others along the way. Hey, everybody. Today I have Daniel Maxson, who is a peer, a mentor, and a friend. And we're going to talk about mentorship today. I'm Daniel is very active in the safety community. Um, You see him at all the meetings and all of the seminars. And so if you don't know him, you probably would recognize his face if you have anything to do with the safety profession here in Georgia, because he's always around. So, hey, Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. And uh, I I think, uh, let's see, I I heard you're a used car salesman, but I think you have another job. Is that true? (laughs) Yeah, I think all safety folks have a a salesman um, bone in their body. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, so Daniel is the corporate safety director for New South Construction, um, but you, you were a, a used car salesman for real in your past, right? Is that true? There was a transition in between, you know, being on my tools to um, being out, having an opportunity in, in the safety world that I chose um, because I wanted to be a little more safe in, in my world of things um, with my newfound daughter at that time. It was only about a month, month and a half um, of time frame, but I learned so much within that little small little time frame between transitioning because I just wanted to do something differently that which ended up bringing me back to the construction uh, world. But yes, at one time, I unfortunately was um, a, a car salesperson uh, on, uh, in that world of things. Well, that probably helps a little bit since we're always looking for buy-in and safety to have that skill. It does. I mean, I think what what selling and and all those things have to do, it it, it has the ability to really just listen to people. And and what I've learned that I think others at the time in that small stint of time that I, I did, you know, do the car salesman was is that, you know, people know what they want when they come and buy something. You don't have to try to sell them on the material. I think at the end of the day, if you're genuine and and you you present yourself as a person that they want to do business with, they're going to buy it from you or the next person. And so I think I learned that real quick and I was able to find a lot of success. I didn't want to stay into that market because I got another um, uh, opportunity. But when that small period of time, I was, I was, I was able to be a really successful person at doing that just for just being genuine, being myself and just understanding, you know, the person's needs rather than trying to sell them on, on something that they already knew that they wanted you know, um, that's such an important point that, um, you know, a lot of times we're trying to sell safety things to uh, upper management. And, um, you know, people buy what they perceive as valuable, not what you tell them is valuable. And um, that really goes in line with what you just said, that they already know what they want, right? What's in it for me? And uh, yeah, it is, it is good to have that focus that, yeah, what are, the, what are they going to get out of it for sure? Yes. I mean, especially when folks, you know, it depends on what your, what, what's your mission when you're, when you're meeting with somebody, if it's somebody from operations, if you're somebody with the pre-con that's just trying to get the number where they need to be, but they know that they need to be in compliance. I think at the end of the day, when, when you approach and you try to understand what the common core, common goal and what, what they're trying to get and under, and be an understanding of that, a lot of times you bring the guard down and, and you're able to, um, you know, level with people. And to me, I think 
safety should not be another step. It should be just that, just understanding what the other party is trying to accomplish and, and, and be understanding of that, even, even if you don't agree with it and understand that we can, we can, we can agree to disagree, but as long as we get to the end goal that is desirable and acceptable, then I think that that is, that's where you get more to your liking. Um, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so true. It is, yeah. isn't it? It's a long, hard road. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, Daniel's a friend and, and, uh, we've had a lot of deep conversations together about safety and the community and all of that. And when we were talking about this podcast, we, we, we knew we wanted to do something and, um, the word mentorship kept coming up. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, that's the thing, Daniel, I, I really think that you are one of those people that really gives a lot of your free time to mentor others. Um, I've seen that as, I'd say it's part of your character. You, you know, you're that type of guy who's always giving freely of what you know and what you have. And, you know, I see some people that, uh, you know, not all, of course, but some people you meet in our profession, they want to hold on to what they know. You know, you, you got to have access to me, but you give it so freely. Um, and so how did, you know, where did that come from? Did other people teach that to you, that give of yourself so freely and the world returns the favor? But can you talk a little bit about that, about why you do it that way, why you give so much of yourself? I, I remember when um, I, I stay grounded. I remember when I was coming out of high school. I was remember when I coming out. I was coming out of the Marine Corps. And I remember that I keep hold of that, that um, – I would call it anxiety or that, that feeling that's in your stomach that is like, man, if I could only just have that, that help, or if I could just have that, that person, or just give me the light that I can just go to. And I know that everything will take off. And I remember that each time I would look for that and I would just, you know, try to seek it out uh, intentionally. I knew it just never, it never was there. It never just hit me in the face. And so I, I stay grounded at that every moment I can, um, and and I, I keep that burning desire to to you know throw little nets out there to, to folks that that are willing and and want that you know that extra feedback, whether it be from a safety or an education or you know a career decision. I'll give my my input on that, and if that person wants to seek more, then I, I just remember what it feels like on that that strong sense of anxiety especially coming out of the Marine Corps, like, man, I just, you know, I did what I needed to do, but what's next? And I didn't have that path. And then, well, I'm just going to go into construction and be, you know, a laborer and, and then make that journey up from there. And then, hey, a safety, you know, safety position popped up. Well, let me jump into it. Um, I did. I, my father is in the safety industry and he was able to, you know, get, um, provide an opportunity to me Um um, and that's actually the main reason why I'm in Atlanta is for that. I got my first start doing that. And I just remember just from there, I've always just been a self-motivating person that just always strive and strive. And I believe that you get what you give. And if you give a lot without expecting that it's going to come back to you, just know that in the back of your head, internally, subconsciously, it's going to come back to you and, and no matter what you do. And, I, and I've always felt that way. And, um, 
you know, I just, I feel like I keep on giving and, and that's just my drive. I just stay grounded. Remember how it feels to want something or want that advice and knowing that it's going to come when it comes, not when you want it to come. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, um, it, it's kind of interesting. I didn't know how you'd answer that, but um, it, it's, it's funny how you answered it about wanting help and that really triggered you to give help for others where I'm, you know, I think for me, it was a little bit different. I had a lot of people that were helping me. I mean, like you, obviously I have family members that are in this profession too. And um, it just felt so blessed that all these people were pouring into me. And I felt like there was always this need to return the favor, mm -hmm. right? Because I was blessed with that. So I got to return that favor for other folks. But um, that's a different spin too about wanting that help. But, but you did have some mentors because your dad obviously was one, right? Yeah, um, yes. It, it, was there a, anybody else that kind of poured into you in, in your path that kind of triggered you to return that favor? Um, you know, my dad, a big deal. Um, you know, it's a collection of people that if I go back, you know, um, a lot of folks from, and I know this is, you know, a lot of pro, folks from ProSafe. I know you probably don't want me to say that, but ProSafe, uh, you know, growing up in my career, uh, when I want that next thing outside of the what is compliance, I think you, you know, can talk about my mama. It's okay. You can talk. You can talk about Mike too. Pam and Pam and Mike. You know, they're, I think they're a mentor un, unintentionally to a lot of folks in the in the safety world, um, especially when it was when it wasn't known in the industry here. Um, you know, because safety's still young, I think, and it's still evolving as we speak. And so I, I know that, you know, them, um, there's been a collection of, you know, just speaking with you. I, I love, you know, a lot of my friends that and colleagues that are in the industry, um, I, I go to as much, you know, um, uh, out uh, committees and, and various meetings. And I try to learn many different things. And I think I think it's it's more so that every time I go to a meeting and I get something from somebody that to me is a form of mentorship. But then I take it. I take it a step further. I heard this terminology that just smacked me on my um, back of the head, and and it's something that that General McChrystal said. And it's like, you know, the old way of thinking and the w old way of leadership and commanding is gone, and and, yeah. and we have to be more embracing to reverse mentorship. Whereas the folks that 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 is supposedly that work for you. And that are supposedly on the totem pole, not as high as you, that you actually can learn more from them than than anything else. And technology and, and the the information that is in our in the grips of our hands, you know, it's it's at everybody's you know face right away. So whereas in the olden days, or not olden days, not too far long ago. Whereas the leader was the all knowing he was, he or she was that person that just had all the answers. Well, they're probably now the le most less informed um, person um, in the workplace. They just know how to, to guide and, and shift and hopefully is there to be the resource. But the, the frontline people are the ones that you can learn more from. And that's folks that are out on the job site. I humble myself and I remember when it felt what it meant to feel like out being out there sweating and working hard. And then somebody comes up to me and says, do this, you're doing wrong. And I'm like, okay, well, you, first of all, you don't understand that I'm trying to do the right thing. Um, right. But you know, the approach means everything. So yeah. um, I, I just feel like, again, it always goes back to staying grounded um, and reverse mentoring is a big thing for me that I'm just seeking more and more.
you know that, that's so true on on so many levels about um uh, you know and all the hp safety stuff and and how we talk about the the best we can learn how our systems are actually working is from those people out on the front line out in the field and you know you mentioned too the thing about the shift and it, it is a shift in leadership style isn't it um and, and sometimes you know it is what it is but construction can be a little bit slower sometimes in that evolution of understanding mm-hmm. great leadership skills yes uh, so it, it is challenging for sure but it is but it's so interesting to see just just as in the last 10 15 years how the swing for you know the average age of a superintendent was 50 plus or 55 plus now i'm seeing younger superintendents in the 30s um, on up or 28 25 on up how they're they're able to grasp so many things and 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 do very well and perform very well and do and, and escalate within the company and and be just as relevant because they're giving the platform to and they are empowered to do what they need to do and show their skills and they're actually more i mean they're displaying you know um efforts that they're they can do it and be safe because they're planning. Wow, safety is not an extra step. What, what about that? <laughs> <laughs> That's so true on the on the um, the younger folks, and I, I know there's variables to all this, right? We're talking about people, but um, you know, when when I started, uh, a project manager was an older superintendent that stopped being a superintendent and kind of elevated to PM and. And and now there's all these younger folks, but you're right. I think that um, some of the younger folks are they're more in touch, for lack of a better phrase, right, with the desires of young folks and how they want to be treated and all that. So yeah, it is it is a shift we're in. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, you know, you said something one time that really um, stood out to me. We were in one of those safety committee meetings, and um, you used the term "no logos" and about how I'm. You know, when we're in this room, we're all here to help each other. That the no logos on the hard hat, none of that stuff matters. Um, but uh, what, what drives that desire to just give so freely of yourself to everyone? Well, I, it's it's almost like you know, anytime we do a root cause analysis or an incident review or event review meeting or what have you, right? We'll just snap back to the basics. One of your first. One of your first things that you try to establish in the room is, hey, let's get the guard down. Let's let's understand that the purpose of of us meeting is not to chastise and point fingers, but rather let's learn from this and let's learn for all the causes because there's never just one, two or three. There's multiple causes all the way from the leadership on on around as well. Let's let's learn from that. And so I think with committees meetings when you have all those professionals in in the room some are comfortable sometimes some you know that's their first meeting or second or third and they're still just trying to fill the room and i feel like what i've I've used that term leave the logos at the at the door um a lot is because i've gotten better reaction once i once i did that i've seen people that typically in those committee meetings are are quiet and more reserved they i think that statement to me brings the guard down and allows for people to, to to just go ahead and just speak up and and really just go ahead and just under, and, and just start sharing what they really want to. So leaving logos at the door, I think, is an empowerment phrase for folks to understand that we understand that you had an incident on the job site or you had, you know, this this one policy or this one program that 
you may perceive to be, you know, top secret or what have you. But at the end of the day, all our mission as safety professional, our mission is to protect and prevent things from happening. And why would you want to guard that? I don't know. But there are companies, a few companies in town, no matter if you say that, they're going to they're going to go ahead and guard that. But right. for the most part, in on a national perspective, on the committees that I sit on a national standpoint to to local, when you say leave those logos at the door, it's given that person a, you know, not permission, but something like a permission to say, you know what, I feel like Sharon, I am empowered. And you know what? There is no wrong answer. And I'm going to speak up. And so I, I say that because I remember, again, going, remember where you come from, being grounded. I remember when I first started attending committees, I was reserved. Um, and I knew that that if somebody had told me, leave the logos at the doors, and if you don't say anything, then that's probably what's, that's the wrong thing. I probably would have spoke up sooner. So again, staying grounded, remember where I come from. And that's why it's an empowerment phrase to me of, of saying, leave your logos at the doors. Let's, let's share. That's right. That's right. You know, the, the whole thing too, about um, when you're, you know, you being a general contractor and you have all these different subcontractors and a client, and sometimes you partner with other GCs and there can be a lot of different logos in the room. And, um, you know, there still is that, that who was at fault kind of philosophy that we have to deal with a lot. Right. And, and um, that's a tough one, but I I love your spin on uh, Look, we're all, we all have the same goal. We don't want anybody to get hurt here. So can we learn from it? And yeah, blame never, never uh, achieves that. So look, uh, construction people are busy, right? We have limited resources and all of that. Um, how do you determine who's worthy of you pouring into since we have such limited resource? Is there any way you kind of focus on here's the people I want to dedicate more time to? Yeah. Um, I, um, when you, it's no different than anything about going about your day and you having conversations, with various different people. And, you know, you, obviously there's some feelers out there you throw out and cast and see, you know, what are some of the responses? Um, you know, some people, I hate to say it, they're they're more worthier than others of receiving your time and information, right? right? Because oxygen is very precious, especially when you're spewing your own oxygen and you don't want to waste it. And so I think I've I've learned in time um, that um, the information you give out to others, the, the advice you give out to others, it's not for them. It's for you. And if you if you lower your expectations for others, you'll stop getting disappointed. And so I say all that to say, because no matter how much advice you give to others and, and how much you want to share and how much passion, there is going to be a handful of people or, or persons that maybe they're just not ready to receive it, or they're just not there yet to understand, you know, that, hey, this is what I'm trying to say. Or maybe they're just whatever. There's a lot of maybes. Um, and and I, I choose folks because I gauge, you know, based off of when I am speaking with them, how are they receiving their information? I'll throw a couple other things as a follow up. Are, are they following up? And then maybe we can gauge from there. But again, I go back to that, the, the, the comment that I meant that if you lower your expectations of people, I'm not saying that all people are bad, but you'll, you'll stop getting, you know, hurt. <laughs> um, if, if you, if you lower your expectations and understand that, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do regardless, and you're not going to be able to force them to do it, even though you feel like and know that it's the right thing. Um, and so when I lower my expectations, I understand that, 
they're, you know, you're going to do it or not, but I'm not giving this advice to you. I, I'm giving it from me and it's just reinforcing. And each time I say it, it just makes it that much more stronger so that when I do say it, it's just the verification that I am consistently on the right track. And it is a reminder for me. So really it's, 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 you know, just gauging to see if, if people are um, receiving your information, the feedback they give and the, you know, are they following up to some of the things you put out there is how I kind of gauge on, you know, how much information or how much time I'm going to, you know, putting to somebody. You know, that um, there's a statement you've made to me a few times and I actually stole it from you too. I've been using it a lot myself. <laughs> um, but uh, you said to me multiple times that I'm, um, whenever I'm teaching someone, I'm really teaching myself. And you kind of alluded to that. And and it's so true. You're, you're, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I think the same thing if it's some formal class or, or uh, um, just a, a, you know, conversation that a lot of times we are teaching ourselves, aren't we? When we're trying to teach others. We are. I mean, it's a, re- it's a reassurance because each time you say it, you get, you perfect it. It's almost like practice. And so again, if you just go back to it and say, Hey, I'm saying this for me. And the next time I say, I'm going to have to re-examine, I'm just going to polish the edges. And it might be that much more impactful for, for people. I've participated um, in the association um, Construction Ready since like 2014, where I'll go to various high schools or I'll speak and I'll just talk to others and pour out to some of these, these high school students. And a lot of them, it's just like, wow, you're just thank you for giving this time. And I didn't know that the world is like this in this industry and what this can be. And no, I don't have to spend twenty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year in college and I can go and make money right away in construction and learn a trade. Yes, you Heck can. Yeah. And empower these people and understand that, you know, it's okay to come into construction. Yeah. <laughs> and so construction ready is a good program that, you know, I, I utilize to go outreach and, and various others and encourage others to do as well. Yeah. It, yeah. Um so you know, something you talked about too is gauging people's response. And, um, you know, it makes me think about that you and I are at a certain age where, I don't know, you get older and, you know, some hopefully wisdom comes along with that. But, uh, you know, I look back on myself in my 20s and, you know, was a little bit of an idiot right, mm-hmm. back then and did some dumb things. Um, you know, people are in a different spot, aren't they? They're, they're, we're, we're not always talking to people as if they're at the same spot in life that we are um mm. do you ever do you ever was there ever somebody that you thought wasn't worthy of pouring into and then later on you kind of felt like okay maybe they've grown to a point that they are more worthy now yes i, I have um and it's it's and and, and it's, it's great that you asked that question because i think you you never should j- judge the book by the cover because then you know, you might have just, you know, missed out on on being that mentor for somebody. You might have just missed out on on being a blessing for somebody. And again, just keeping your expectations and understanding your time is valuable. But you know, um, I, there was a there was a there was this individual that I did. Um, I felt like, man, it just wasn't there. Um, so I'm just going to stop talking. And then a couple of years later, I ran into them and. One of the biggest, one of the best things they said to me was, it's like, you don't understand how much of an impact you did on my career and the things you said. And I just watched you in these meetings and I did this and that. And I'm like, wow, where, where did that come from? Well, thank you. Um, and and I was I was humbled. Um, and I felt like when I did speak to that individual and they were just quiet and they just were reserved and they just 
was it, I felt like they weren't uh, retaining or caring what I was saying. And it come out, come to find out, I was able to be a a major impact on that person by, by what I was saying. So the point of that is, is that each person understands, listens and uh, retains the information and puts it into fact or puts it into play differently than the others. Everybody's not the same. Each person has their own DNA. And we have to be understanding of that and have and get rid of preconceived notions that somebody just because you want somebody's reactions to be a certain way when you tell them something and you're excited and you're passionate. uh, Doesn't mean that that person is going to be the same way. Everybody has their own way of reacting and and obtaining and retaining information. And they're just not as as passionate as you. And so you've got to be understanding of that. And again, it goes back to what I'm saying of, or said earlier is that if you if you just understand that, you know, you are saying this for yourself. If somebody uh, if somebody gets it, then they get it. If not, then and so on and so forth. But it's for you. People will get retain it and absorb it. Maybe not so much now, but later on they would. You know, that, that's so true. And, you know, God's always got a way of slapping me in the face. <laughs> but um, it, it, there's there's a lot of people that I especially with the human performance topic, right? It's just so different than traditional safety management. And I'm, you know, so many times I'll, I'll meet someone and you try to help them and tell them all these things and, and they just argue with you the whole time. And then six months later, they get it and they're your friend, right? And, and it's, it, it, it's so true that I think that we, when we're all immersed in having those conversations about human performance and, and being passionate about it and then somebody doesn't get it, but they, it's different. Why we're telling them something totally different than what they've heard before and they need time to process it. They do. And, and I think human, you know, changing a culture into construction is almost like changing direction, a long train, you know, or a long, long bus. That's like, it's just not going to happen like a car. Like it's, it's something that just takes because construction, Folks, minded folks are, are creatures of habits. They love it a certain way. If it ain't broke, don't don't fix it and various other things. And for you to tell them that the worker is not at fault, that it's somebody else, you just committed and said the ultimate sin. And what yes. we are trying to say is we're not saying that we're we're trying to alleviate alleviate any blame on the worker, but when we say that there's more to the process and this is why. This is if we if we planned it this way, if we if we took it this route, if we created a different environment, if we had this training, if we if we approached it differently and we properly planned, do you think that we could have avoided this event? A lot of the answers is yes, especially if you just break it down like that. So (laughs) and to me, with with human performance and human error, when we speak with that to, to people more and more and more. Yes, at first it's going to be like, nope, you're blaspheming, and that is not what we're <laughs> supposed to be talking about. Um, this is what I know, and it is the worker's fault. And then when you get right. them to open up more and more to understand, wow, maybe I should have made that foreman or that contractor or their project manager or their pre-con person that didn't bid it right do it differently or think about it a different way. Maybe this event could have been prevented. Right, right. No, that's it. Yeah, and it takes ten years sometimes for culture to change. So we're we're on a long path here, but uh, well, at least we're on the path. 
All right. Hey, Daniel, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people see you when you're going to like the, the AGC meetings and the Georgia Safety Conference and all that. Um, but I also know that you do some private mentoring that people don't see. And uh, I'm just thinking about Victor and, and you and I and some of the lunches we've had that were private. Nobody ever sees that stuff. Um, are there other things like that that you do that people don't see? Can you um, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I mentioned it a little earlier. I, I, I do participate with with Construction Ready and, and trying to gear up some of these high schools and, and, and outreach there to try to get the, you know as many just schools and, 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 and folks understanding um, that you know construction is a great um, profession. Um, maybe even co-speaking with with some of these parents and saying that you know this is a great profession and understanding that it's okay for kids not to just decide to go to a four-year commitment right away but understanding that they can learn a trade and do very well at it um so i I, i'm i'm very passionate with something like that of, of out speaking with 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 um you know with that program for many years because again um remember there's a lot of kids that even when they do decide that they're in college, that they and, and when they're in college, how many times they change their majors, and a lot of times they don't even go don't and get the profession that they right. you know paid all this money for, and yeah. and then they get out and end up doing something differently. Just understand that there are options, and you know when you learn a trade and understand that there are folks that like school and there's folks that that do better with their hands, but they're only showed one way. So being able to um, provide that options for many years and and help, you know, you know, younger kids um, understand that this is something and this is this is how much it pays and this is what you can do with it. And so um, I, I, that's a big um, outreach um, for me um, with that. There's there's a couple of other programs within, you know, high schools that I do. Um, I do outreach with as well. It's just mentorship on there. And it's again, to me, I, it, it may come off as, oh, I'm, I'm giving and I'm doing, but to me, it's just sharpening my tool. It's keeping me fresh to that at each time that I'm able to be a blessing for somebody or mentor somebody. Um, each time I speak out and talk, I'm just sharpening my tools of, of being that much sharp um, so that when I am able to, to talk each time, I'm going to be that much more better. That's right. that's right. I'm a mentor at the house, right? You know, I have my <laughs> children as well, but that's, that's on a personal note, but. <laughs> no, yeah. um, so um, like within new South, as far as your safety team and maybe some of your PM superintendents, do, do you have any kind of specific structure on how you mentor people or is it more freestyle where you just think about things that you want to share with them? And so um each project that I go on to or each person that I, I speak with, I have to understand that. And I, I think I've, I've learned this the hard way in the past that each project has its own DNA. Right. And so when I'm when I'm out there speaking with project managers and superintendents and operation folks and everything else like that and, and help help uh, helping them understanding that, you know, safety is a part of your job in the process. It's not an extra step. Right. And 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 mentoring them that way. But understanding that you, you can do it one way in multifamily, then you go over to aviation. And, and yeah. even if it is the same aviation job, each job has its own DNA and understanding and respecting that. As far as safety professionals that I, that I, um, that I, that are in my department, um, each person has their own 
right? DNA. They have their own way of thinking of it. They have their own age group. Um, Understanding, you know, that, yes, there is something that we have to respect. And that is, you know, from millennials to Gen X to, you know, all the different, um, all the different uh, generations, understanding the why that there are and understanding, you know, there's a reason why you need to understand which one ticks and this way and, and being respectful of the generational class and empowering each one of them to say, look, even though you just started with New South, you need to understand that each person I put you with um, as you're learning in your career as a safety professional, that you're going to be one day a leader. And it might be sooner than you think, because I always tell everybody, you learn way more by doing. If you look at the, you know, something that you teach at, at Georgia Tech, if you look at the the way people learn, how much information you retain, you retain 90% if you're the actual one teaching, actually right. one doing but it goes all the way down of retention of only five to five to 10% of retention of knowledge. If you're the only one being taught to, if, if right. you're being taught to. And so if I can, if I can empower leaders and folks that are brand new to, to new South in the profession and, and, and what have you, if I can empower people to stand up and lead and find out which way and understanding how to do that and the tools to get to there, they will be that much more impactful as a safety professional. So, um, you know, that really ties into something else I wanted to ask you about, about are you creating other mentors? And it sounds like you are. Um, so in that process, there's kind of two things I'd like to get out of you. Is one, do you, are, are there things you see in certain people that, yeah, they need to be, they, they have the potential to be, or, or they should be a, another leader or mentor in my organization. But also I'd like you to talk about, is there any kind of accountability with that, like action items you give them or, or, or any way of holding them to account to mentor others? Yes. I mean, it's constantly challenged. Right. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll know when sometimes it's, it's, it's when they they don't feel like they're ready, but it's like, look, you're you're gonna have to step up. You're gonna have to lead, um, whether this construction job site or another safety pro. And I think the accountability of of that is is okay. What was said, and then obviously kind of backtracking a little bit on kind of understanding from feedback from others of okay, look, you know, always focus on what you did right. Right, these are a lot of the things you did right, but remember and reinforcing that. These are the these are the opportunities for growth, right? You can't just crack someone in the back of the head. It's all about approach and understanding that we're going to work out the right way. We're not going to just jump in there and just start pumping iron, but we're going to work out the right ways. We're going to right work out all the muscle groups from the head to the toe, so that we're sound all the from from the from head to toe. And so, and and that is that I I need you to understand that you have to trust. That what I'm telling you is if you believe that we are going to set you up for success, especially me as your leader, then then you're going to you're you're going to succeed. So if if you honestly believe that and I need you to I need you to tell me yes or no or give me some indication that that you don't believe it 100 percent, because then we need to work on that. Right. You're not going to get fired for making the right decision. (laughs) Actually. It's going to make you better if you make a wrong decision. And I'm okay with that. Right. So just re-encouraging people to understand that it's okay to make mistakes. But when you do, you will. I will let you know when that is. And, and sure enough, every time they do make a mistake, 
I let them know right away, but they, I do it in such a way that they knew, know it's, it's out of love. It's not out of chastising. And one of the biggest rules I have in our department and everybody in my department could quote this is that we leave politics at the door, keep yeah. politics out of our, out of our department, try to limit, you know, I'm a, this title person or whatever, and understand that everybody is equal. I work for you as a director and it's servant, that servant leadership, I think is what, what allows, you know, the folks in my department and people around me, um, I believe is that my servant leadership attitude that I'm work for you. Like, what do I need to, to, to get, provide to you to make you succeed or allow you to succeed. And so I think that, again, it goes back to, you know, keep the politics out, servant leadership. And I think the most important thing that you asked me, which is accountability, um, both you're doing something wrong, but Hey, you're also doing something right as well. That's right. You know, um, you, you got into growth too, and we all kind of learn from failure and all that. Um, and it, it makes me think of Jesus and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, um, there was a time where I was doing these little sessions for another client and, Every time I'd look around, there's Jesus, right? And it's like, wait, you don't even work here. What are you doing here? And it was, um, it was so nice that you were always supportive of him. That if he wanted to seek out other training sessions, you were never like, no, you got to stay on this particular job site twenty four seven. But you always gave him the freedom to seek out other opportunities to learn. And um, you know, I'm I'm bringing it up because I've got another client. They've kind of been struggling with um are there opportunities for personal development? And you've always been so supportive of that. I'm seeing it a lot from your team. You know, people I see come to Georgia Tech that work for New South and, and uh, you, you have a little bit of a reputation there of always supporting personal growth. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that, about how you influence that, that personal development with your safety team? Yeah, it goes again, every time you, if you get the more exposure you get, as a, as a professional or anything you do, if, as long as you, if, if, the more exposure, the better, right? If you're able to get your folks out there and I, the way that I lead is I don't lead people and, and, and I'm not as a director that is, you know, Hey, I'm not going to pay for this class because you're going to end up leaving me, or I'm not going to do these things because you're going to go to the next guy, the next competition. Or actually my retention rate within the department has been historically very well. Yeah. Um, and it's not because of a secret sauce or it's because, you know, we're doing anything. I think it just goes bound back to, back to basics of, of empowering, you know, reinforcing our guys. And at the end of the day, if, if, um, what you're referring to, if, if, if a, if a colleague that is a, within a different organization has a need or help with Spanish or a, a various training item, Hey, the more exposure I can get from my guy and if it helps the industry, then obviously it's not a reoccurring thing, but you know, if, if, if I could help out where I can, um, we'll lend that support and what have you. But again, it goes back to reaffirming re, re it's getting that um, exposure for my guys as much as possible or guys and gals um, as much as possible um, to get out there and speak on in various different things. And sometimes on all our job sites that my, my safety professionals may not always see it all. So it's good to um, reach across the aisle, so to say, and, and talk to colleagues within um, various different industries. I know a person that comes to mind, Lisa Kapasik, who's 
one that, you know, she's Definitely. always been one to say, hey, come to the job site, see what you see, ask questions, but this is what we're doing. This is my, you know, um, my training calendar. And I, I didn't bring that up as a, from a mentorship, but that was an indirect mentorship for me. You know, when we have committee meetings going to her job site, seeing how willing she was to say all these GCs, let's, let's just come to the job site and let's just talk and, and have sessions within there. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think it's, it starts there, just understanding and empowering our folks to get them exposed to various different things, communications. And, you know, it goes back to, you know, you're only as good as the people that you know. And that's, that's why right. I talk to my guys. It's like, you know, you're only, if you limit yourself to just your bubble and you don't have that dating myself, Rolodex of, of people that you can kind of, you know, go, you know, thumb to, then, you know, you're limiting yourself. You know, if, if I have a question, I'm thinking in my head, who am I calling? I may know where the answer is, but I'm going to reaffirm it by calling that next person. And vice versa, that that creates my upline of people of, of saying like, hey, if they have a resource, they're bouncing stuff off to me. And again, it's the more exposure. Each time you do that or somebody calls you, you're just sharpening your tools to be that much more successful. So I try to I try to ensure that, you know, my, um, the, the folks in other, my department also understands that, you know, you are as good as the people you surround yourself with. That's so true. And, and um, you know, you mentioned Lisa, and I, I just think of, uh, you know, had this conversation with this electrician just a, about a month ago, and he didn't even know who Lisa was, but there was some <laughs> procedure that she implemented on one of her job sites that ended up becoming a corporate wide procedure. And then he was an electrician on another job site, same general contractor, but she wasn't even on this job site. And he thought it was the greatest thing ever. And so they implemented it in their own company. But um, it's true. You, know, you kind of mentioned about the different DNA, right? That, you know, would multifamily is definitely going to have different DNA than an airport job. But then you can send, you know, Jesus or one of your people over to Lisa's poured in place job. And we're all kind of stealing, learning from each other and modifying for our own unique world. Right. So yeah, that is a great thing. Well, I mean, it's important for, for us to have more bilingual um, in, in the safety profession. Amen um, and, and how do you get, how do you obtain that? Right. Um, yeah. Is it always going to be found at colleges? I don't know. You can, people could answer that. I don't know. But yeah. I think that a lot of times when you're able to speak a culture within the workforce and understand why is that important and understanding those guys and gals out there on your job site, um, they, they're the ones that make you successful. You're only as good yeah. as the boots on the ground, the job site and how much you empower them and how much they respect the environment that you create on your job site. And it starts with the people that you hire yeah. and reinforcing them and reminding them that you are in servant to that worker out on the job site. And if, I've had a lot of success at, at, at obtaining a lot of bilingual um, safety professionals. And I've seen the passion when I've stepped on the job site of, of people just, you know, wanting to share and just, and, and, and the workers not hiding and there's not like the abrasiveness and there's not like the guard up. We're still holding them accountable, but right. we're, we're doing it in such a way where it's like, we're able to communicate to them in such a way. And, it, and there's so much to be said that, if you try to find a translator that somewhat understands English or so you say, cause he nods his head uh, that it, you, it's coming from your own staff or 
myself. It's coming from from us to say this is what we're trying to communicate, and this is, is this is in the tone. And yes, we are the GC, so you are empowered to work safe. And I expect you to let me know if there's anything around the job site that we can make that make better for you and uh, um, within our power um, to to do that much better. And it's amazing to see the environment that's created out there that if you just do those simple, simple stuff, because when, when people ask me, you know, we do a lot of CSIP contractor controlled insurance programs where we yeah. are the contractor that owns the insurance. And a lot of people says you, you wood frame, like multifamily, like <laughs> really you do that. <laughs> well, why would you do that? The level of sophistication. Yeah. But again, if you just understand that folks are going to show up on your job site and how you treat them, and how right. you create that environment of caring is how you're going to have the end product. That's right. Well, I mean, you know, you keep going down the road that it's it's all about open communication. Can we be a learning culture that learns from the frontline worker to better shift our and modify our processes, right? So they, they fit better for them. All right. So, Daniel, everybody claims about they don't have enough time in, in construction. I think a lot of it's a time management issue. But um, how do you make the time for all the mentorship you do for all these different people? I mean, you've got a full time job. You've got a, a wife and kids. Plus, you're involved in every community. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you manage your time for all these different things that you're doing? Um, on the job side, it's all about empowering and, and delegation, right? And, and understanding and trusting that the processes that are in place and the layers that you have in place on the job site and that, that they are, they are continuously and consistently followed the way that you laid them out. And it's followed in which, where you know that each person is different and they're going to attack it on their own way, but at the end goal, they're going to do it the way that you want it to be. Right. And so how I'm able to juggle a lot of different things with, with various different things with church and family and, you know, the outreach and, and, and work and, and conventions and committees is, is that, you know, one, I, I do all these things. Yes. Time management is a key thing, but I'm, I'm passionate about it. Right. And, and I love the fact that each person and each, each opportunity I get to speak in front of people, it's just another it's another of give back that I can um, uh, within within my my control, and so I don't think of it as an extra task. Um, I, I rest myself when I need to, but I, I'm, I'm ensure that I look at it as something that I want to do rather than that I have to do. And if you if you look at it that way, then you're going to want to approach it with with you know pride and and passion, and 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 I believe passion is contagious. Um, then others will, will want to do it. And so if you create processes in each thing you do, all you're doing is reaffirming that the process is working. So each time I go to various different disciplines, I make sure that we, we, we set an understanding that I'm able to do it within my time frame. but then understanding that it's okay to say no. And I've had to learn that the hard way, right? Because right. you don't want to get the reputation that you're always declining or you're just not as sharp or you're just, you don't want to get that, that reputation. You have to maintain, you know, your credibility and you will shoot your credibility for just trying to, you know, do too much. Um, and so don't, don't, don't mess up your credibility by taking on too much, but understanding that it's okay to say no, but yes, but this time frame. 
And so I've had to learn that the hard way a couple of times, but uh, I learned it. Um, and hey, hey, the power of the calendar is an awesome thing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So um, we have a lot of, there's just tons of new safety people these days, right? Um, uh, what advi- What's some great advice that you have for some up and coming safety people that are just getting into the industry? The advice that I have for those folks is that, you know, the safety position, it used to be, you know, name on the toilet uh, walls and, and it still kind of sometimes is, but, you know, it used to be where, you know, we are, we are safety heroes roar. And I think the biggest, best thing that I can say to any new incoming safety professional or even current, you know, veteran safety professional is, is that your job is not safety. Your job is to be the resource. Your job is to empower people around you and to affect change. And it's not the old way of safety. Don't get comfortable. Just, you know, it's, I think a statement that's brought up in a lot of the HB classes a lot. Um, I think it was Dan Baker or or something like that, where it says, you know, the absence of injury is not the substitute for safety, you know, meaning if you're not having accidents on your job site, that doesn't mean you're safe. Okay. You have to constantly keep your, your, your fingers on the pulse and you have to orchestrate, you know, a way of, of understanding that you have to constantly be sharp. Do, don't, keep, don't get complacent. Always learn. If you don't learn something that day, you just wasted a day and you might affect a life or a process or a perception of safety by somebody that then now is going to go off the beating path as a supervisor. And so I say to a lot of upcoming and current safety professionals is that we need to maintain the credibility as a safety professional be out, you need to be more involved if you're not involved. If you feel like you're going home after work every day and not being a part of a community, then you're doing an injustice, injustice to the profession. And you need to reaffirm and rethink what you are doing and, and understand that you need to redirect. You need to be a part of a safety community. You need to outreach to see what you can do to help and do and provide or just learn um, because, you know, then you're just, you're just being stagnant or I just, a lot of passionate safety professionals hate or do not like, I will, I'll, I'll use their word, hate. They hate people that think of safety as a job or as a profession. It is more than that. And we are, a lot of safety professionals may get a, you know, uh, quirky title or something like that. Say we're not normal. And I welcome (laughs) that. And I'm okay with that because if we're normal, then we're paying attention into production schedule and not caring about anything. We're going to compromise and accept the status quo and never change and never affect change in, in culture and environment on the job site that is going to hopefully bring down these, these rates of human error and deaths and everything that we're trying to prevent and the rework and everything else like that. So I, I tell everybody, keep, keep your foot on the gas, be a part of a community and remember that safety is not your job. It's everybody else's job. You're just a resource. And if you embrace that thought process, you will be contagious. You will be passionate and th- and you will spread that and you will, you will see so much good things happen within your job site. And just know that I've, I've run across a lot of safety professionals that, you know, come off as holier than that. It's okay to display 
passion. You know, I was in a, I was in a committee one time and I asked my VP um, one time, I'm like, you know, I stood up and I kind of was a little passionate there. Do you think I should have, you know, toned it back? He's like, you know, I could tell you yes, but then that's not who you are. And so you need to embrace your passion, channel it, right? You don't want to, you know, rub people too wrong, but at the end of the day, embrace your passion. And so I say to safety professionals, don't try to emulate and follow somebody to the T just because they look cool in a short stuffy shirt and is always playing golf and is never on a job site. I say, I challenge you to get out there and, and talk to the workers and understanding how they work. And it's okay to, to be extravagant and extra and talking and all that stuff. It's okay to do all that. And matter of fact, you're going to be more effective if you are out there talking more and, and, if, and, 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 and relating to people more and, and understanding that you at least you know one to two things personal about every person in operations because that is what's going to build that relationship. That's so true. You know, you challenged me too. You're making me think of a, we were in a session in a conference one time and I'm just kind of listening and you're like, come on, Philip, come on, Philip. Right. <laughs> but I'm, um, you know, and speaking about that too, just um, you were one of the ones that really encouraged me to get back involved in the AGC safety committee. I guess it was a year or two ago, and, and um, I really appreciate you doing all that. Um, so maybe we could finish up with that. Could you talk a little bit about um, because I think you were one of the key people too about hey, we need to start bringing more human performance concepts within the committee and. That's obviously evolved into some training sessions and all of that. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that whole effort with AGC and, and spreading the word about human performance? I think if you're listening to this podcast and you're in any state or any part of the uh, any anywhere in the world or wherever, and it's not just AGC, there's ABC, there's, there's ASSP, there's so many associations. Sure. And I challenge everybody that's listening to say that, you know, if there is not an association, then start an association. That's right. Wherever you are, get out there and say, you know what? Let's just start a group. Uh, We've recently started a group on, you know, claims forum just because when we were in the AGC, we're like, Hey, you know, how many, there's so many people that just doesn't understand basic handling of claims and injuries in the workplace. So let's just start a committee to talk through that. I learned a lot and I thought I knew a lot, but I learned extra stuff in there. So again, I did it for that purpose. So I say all of that to say that, you know, with, with, with human performance getting out there more and more, I think that more and more people should be talking about it, embracing it. And once you really realize that it's not an extra compliance tool. And I think that's where people get that's it right. wrong of saying, okay, I'm, I'm learning another construction subject like scaffolding and ladders <laughs> or whatever. And it's not, it's, yeah. we've got to understand that, you know, a lot of, it's just like injuries. I always tell everybody that when somebody gets injured, 65% of the injury, getting over that injury is, is mental, right? Yeah. When you approach a, a behavior or a culture within a company or a person, you have to first get past the mental aspect of understanding, getting that person to understand it's okay to do something differently as long as it's it's gonna it's gonna be effective, right? So change is okay. 
And so I say all that to say that human performance and human error, understanding that there's not one way of talking about it. If I speak to you about it, then you're going to give it the Phillips way. If you ask Daniel, I'm going to give it my way. Um, And then Diana and then various other folks, we're going to all say it our different ways. I think it's on similar ground concept, the foundations there. But the good thing about human performance is not a thou shall. And we're not going to break out our safety programs and say, hey, 90 perfect. And it's true statistic. If everybody just cracks up with their safety program, 90 percent of our safety programs are compliance based. But yet 90 percent of our injuries are human performance based. So it's like, well, how come? Well, we're trying to prevent injuries. Well, the safety manual is not going to be the end all be all. It's going to be a a guide to make sure you're following a rule. Right. And so I say, keep it simple. Um, and through the AGC and making sure that we, we, we opening open and not only open, but encourage people to attend more and more human performance classes. Um, and that's not just safety professionals. I think that if, if more leaders within, um, their respective companies are encouraging their operational operation people, to then go to these classes, I think they're going to start seeing, damn, I'm starting to see more of a change on my job sites. That's right. And I think you and I did something differently where we just carved out a four hour online, you know, um, deal where we, you know, I made, you know, I made it a thing where 25 of my operations had to log on to zoom and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do a site. We're going to do a, a a new South uh, specific uh, course on human performance and you were over there changing um, slides and, and updating this as we go. And you were, you were crafting in all this because you were understanding your group and you were kind of molding as the class goes. And I think that's as safety professionals, as we continue to try to push the human performance message out there, I think that what we need to do is make sure that we are, we are bringing out, we are talking about it more and more again. A colleague of mine, Robert Bruce, you know, with Trinity Safety, he 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 talks about it a lot. And he's like, man, you know, if I can talk more about these with my clients, you know, I can I can it can help my job out better That's because right. it's one thing for me as a, for him as a safety prof- uh, professional as a third party to go out and say, hey, you got to do these rules, and they're like, yeah, we'll do the rules, but you're not affecting change. And I think what human performance does is it allows from the inner core within the companies to really make that change. And change is not when somebody's looking change is when somebody is, is when somebody is not looking. It's like, it's not when somebody's looking, it's when somebody's not looking and that's true culture. And that's a a good barometer. That's right. Well, Daniel, you know, I, I really appreciate you just, I mean, you've helped me a lot in my own life, but I'm, I know some of my friends, you know, and, and Victor, you've done a lot for him. You've done a lot for so many folks. And um, I really appreciate having you in the committee, in the committee. Uh, um, I, I hear that you're going to be part of the conference too. So I'd, I'm glad to see that you're a, a key player in that, but I'm, I'm glad you're in the community and, and pouring into all these people. So thank you, sir, for all you do. No, I appreciate the platform. I, I I listen to your I listen to all the podcasts. I appreciate everything. It's a blessing to me. I mean, likewise. I mean, I get all the information back from Victor and you. And 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 when somebody says thank thank you for for providing the information and, and being the resource, I tell them, well, I learned more more about more about this topic just from talking to you. So thank you as well. So I think it's a 
again, it's the reverse mentoring thing, right? It's all about reverse mentoring, staying humble and understanding that we have to give back in order to, to expect to receive the desired task and goals. Well, it's a, it's a gift giving season. So maybe we can all take a moment to give back. (laughs) All right, Daniel. Thank you so much for showing up today and hope everybody has a beautiful day. Hey there. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review. If you want to connect further, reach out at leaderthink.com.